Hello! Welcome to Podcast and Recreation, which is literally the best name we could think of for what will surely be the greatest podcast in the history of recorded media. I'm Jill Poskanser. And I'm Nora Katz. We're transatlantic friends and TV junkies with a passion for writing, politics, and breakfast food. Could you tell in my little pause there that because I'm reading off our introduction blurb, I almost introduced myself as you? Yep. I was almost like, I'm Nora Katz, and then my head was like, hmm... Wait a second. Were you there when we were um, doing I Am auditions and I said all of my like introductory information as like Kristen, but I didn't realize I was doing it until it was happening? Maybe. Was it the time we were all like, it was like hour six and we were all trying to change it up by introducing each other? Maybe. No, no, no. This was last year, I think. Oh, then no, I was not there. Okay. For the uninitiated, this is what we're talking about. Jill and I were in a college acapella group <laughs> together and... When we would do auditions, we would all introduce ourselves to the person who was auditioning, but, like, we would have to do this, like, dozens of times throughout the day, and so... Yeah, we would audition for, like, six to eight hours. Yeah. And meet, like, 30-plus people. So one of my co-conspirators in this group, who I was, like, the closest with, we were both Sopranos, and we are very similar. Hi, Kristen. Um, she was an English major, and I was a history major. And so that would be, like, part of what our introduction was. So she was like, hi, like, I'm Kristen, I'm a senior English major, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hi, I'm Nora, I'm a senior English major. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? And I was like, oh, man, I just did that involuntarily. <laughs> you just pretended to be Kristen for a second there. I, like, wasn't even, like, I wasn't doing a bit, because usually I'm doing a bit. <laughs> we, like, would get bored and, like, switch and start introducing each other or, like, making up fun facts about each other. Yeah. Or, like, sharing embarrassing stories. And, like, so I feel bad for the kids we got later in the day who are like, these people are crazy. <laughs> or not crazy, but, like, just, like, full of life and a joie de vivre. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell, but this is a Parks and Rec podcast. Yeah. That may be the fastest we've ever gotten off track. Um, we're talking about <laughs> Parks and Rec Season 2, Episode 2, The Stakeout, which aired September 24th, 2009. Written by Rachel Axler, story editor Harris Whittles, and directed by Seth Gordon. And our little synopsis is this. Leslie sets up a stakeout with Tom to find out who's growing marijuana in the community garden she set up in the pit. But it also gives her an opportunity to scout out Ann and Mark's first date. These, I do think these summaries give us, like, a lot of info. Too much info. They should be withholding a little bit. Like, keep you guessing. Keep, well, you, keep you wanting more. I guess it depends on what you want out of a synopsis. I want, like, the basic premise, but not all the plot points. Okay. See, this is a thing that I have, because I often go to see Shakespeare plays. And oh, look sometimes at you all in the, it, But you will know this, too. Like, sometimes in the program, they give you the whole plot of the play. Okay, the reason for that, though, is a lot of people find it very difficult to follow along with Shakespeare plays. That's because okay. they don't... That's fair. They're using... A different form of English. No, 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 no I know that that's we colloquially fair. speak. But yeah. I like if it's if it's one that I haven't seen or read before, like I don't like to know. I mean, whenever I go to see a play, I like to know nothing. I like don't yeah, read about it beforehand or anything. But I do like knowing this plot of Shakespeare plays before, because then it primes me for the conversations. If I was gonna have any trouble with the language, then like I still get the gist of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And then I, if anything, I learn kind of backwards that way because like I was if I was gonna have trouble with the scene knowing what the scene's about helps me like a know what they're saying and then b like I learn the words that they're saying and now that I like have context for them like then I know I've learned some old English phrases and all that stuff yeah I think that makes sense for me I find that it maybe like Mm -hmm. takes a couple minutes in the beginning and it feels really weird and then yeah after like five minutes like you're not thinking about it and it just yeah you're on board I mean, at this point, I'm probably like that, because I read a lot of Shakespeare in college, because we had a lot of Shakespeare classes. Look at us. The, the so, intelligentsia. So, yeah, we'll be eaten first when the zombie apocalypse is nigh. Is that what happens? Do all the brainiacs go first? Who needs them, I think? I think society is like, we don't need these guys. We need doctors. Oh, see, I, I would argue that, that, that the arts and culture are, are what makes life worth living. <laughs> No one wants the English majors, and you've already accidentally told everyone that you're an English major. Well, you know what? It's too late for you. I, I will own that label. <laughs> you get to. Great, so this episode, 
opens with, I think it's our first, like, non-cold open, I guess I want to say. I think the phrase cold open now applies to, like, any bit before the theme song. Yeah. But, like, when I was a kid, I understood cold open mm-hmm. to be, like, an opening that was, like, a non-sequitur. It was, like, unrelated to the rest of the show. Yeah, this one bit. is super related. This one is related. It was the first time, I think, that one was related. Because I was surprised when they brought it up. Mm-hmm. When we mm-hmm. came back from commercial, because I hadn't seen this episode in a long time, and I was like, oh, that's continuing. Well, what happens in the cold open, which is not a cold open, exactly, a teaser, I guess, um, is that Leslie has planted a community garden in the pit. If you remember the pit, it's a big plot point. Um, and Tom has been giving her the names of rappers instead of Latin names of the plants, which is a charming little comedy bit. And then Leslie finds that someone has planted marijuana in community garden and she is appalled and that's when the theme song happens <gasps> what's gonna happen next well and but also there's like a double because there's also a scene with leslie and ann having breakfast before the yeah it like starts with leslie and ann having breakfast maybe i'm oh. seeing a different version than you are because i'm in that, a different country honestly that wasn't maybe that wasn't important enough for me to write down oh well it has it has one of the iconic mantras of the series which? So, it's, at the very beginning, Leslie and Anne are having breakfast, and Anne is, like, making sure that Leslie is okay with her going on a date with Mark, and Leslie is saying that, like, she's totally cool with it, and she's chowing down on whipped cream, and it's really funny, and she, and she's like, oh, don't worry about it, hose before bros, uteruses before deuteruses, ovaries before broveries. I did not have that. That can't be right. We're talking about episode two? Uh-huh. I'm literally gonna go to Netflix right now. Where did that come from? That was in the version that I watched. No. Yep. That was it. And then it was like cut to Leslie and Tom at the Guys, this is real time. This is real time drama. No. Yep. We're not making this up. This isn't like a bit. This is like a real thing that's happening. Oh my god. Wait. Yes, here it is. I just missed this. I wonder if I started this episode and like it was saved from the last time I watched this episode, which was... Oh, that might be. Low these, low these many years ago. And it was literally the beginning of the garden scene. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember the scene. Well, sometimes Netflix like starts you not at the beginning because it thinks yes. that something is like a previously on. Mm-hmm. That could be what happened. And it's not because that happened with me with Gilmore Girls all the time. I am redeemed. Thank goodness. I mean, I would have been, like, belligerent about this whether or not I was right, but I'm glad. <laughs> I was I was thinking it was that Netflix had, like, didn't have extended editions. No, because that something. line, like, uteruses before deuteruses is, like, I know, it was iconic. That's not, they Guys, didn't that. Guys, that was our first real crisis oh on the podcast. Are you okay? Off the podcast was the time that I didn't record the podcast. Like, do you need, do we need to take a minute and just breathe together and meditate? <laughs> Um, I think I'm okay, okay, but I will, like, if suddenly, like, it all comes, like, rushing back to me, and I need to, like, take a year sabbatical, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, Great, I have so... some trivia just about plants that look like weed. Really? Yeah. Because I googled this. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, this, you didn't get this from your life experience. Yeah. I was you like, would I have had to Google the this. of carrots could look like yeah. the ganja. Um, but it turns out there are a lot of internet articles about this very topic for two specific audiences. The first audience is stoners who want, like, a festive yard. So people who want to plant plants that look like marijuana just to, like, celebrate the fact that that's a part of their life, I don't understand. That's silly. And the other one is articles for people who are very much like marijuana teetotalers who are convinced that the police are going to see the Japanese maple tree in their front yard and raid their house. This was an actual concern that people had was like a Japanese maple, as you know, is a tree that is often red, but the leaves like sort of look like a marijuana leaf. And people were like, are people going to see that and think it's pot? Like, no, no. Are you going to think it's pot? Do a pot is? (laughs) Anyway, I was really entertained by that. So that was that was entertaining. Yep. Thanks for bringing that entertainment into our lives. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. That's beautiful. Tell us what happens when we come back from the theme song. So Leslie tells Ron about the cannabis, and she says someone planted a gateway drug in the community garden. And then we also find out that Ron is is sitting perfectly still in his office because he has a hernia. 
And he says, as long as I don't move my head or torso, I'm good. I got this. Um, which is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, how can we personify Rob, Ron's stubbornness to the world? And like, this was avoiding the medical answer. care and hoping that if he just sits perfectly Literally still, having to stay still. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so Leslie and Tom are going to do a stakeout. Stake me out tonight. I don't wanna. That's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Stake me out tonight. I don't wanna let you go till we catch this guy. We already have a theme song. That's true. It's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> Andy. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that got renewed. Too bad Parks and Rec didn't get like surprise renewed for season eight. But there's always hoping. Yeah. So yeah, Leslie and Tom are gonna do a stay out to catch this guy. But we have, or girl, we have I guess. one of my favorite Leslie talking heads, like right before that though. And what does she She say? says, I would like to be president someday, so no, I have not smoked marijuana. I ate a brownie oh, yeah. once at a party in college. It was intense. It felt amazing, yeah. Kind of indescribable. <laughs> I, felt like I, was floating. I felt like I was floating. Turns out there wasn't any pot in the brownie. It was just an insanely good brownie. But see so this begs the question of in order to be president, do you have to abstain from substances? And the answer for at least um, 44 and 42 is that no, you don't. <laughs> um, because is that what we call them? Hey, I mean, 44. Barack so. and Bill, both very publicly. How's it going, 42? Hey, Ellen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he. Well, moving forward, pot is legal in what, most states at this point? No, not most. I don't know how many, but not I don't think it's possible. It's legal in my state. I see, like, little signs for it. Yeah, yeah. I live in California. Um, there's, well, like, little shops and stuff. Well, there's the really famous line that Bill Clinton said um, when he was a Rhodes Scholar in Oxford. Like, he would say that he would be, like, in a room with people smoking pot, but he, quote, didn't inhale. And when I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. Which, like... Okay, Bill. <laughs> okay, um, but Barack has been very open about his marijuana use as a teenager. Look, I, you know, I, uh, when I was a kid, I, I, uh, uh, I inhaled, uh, frequently. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was the point. His friends and him called themselves the Choom Gang, and they would, like, they go, like, get not. high in a VW bus, so. <laughs> you giant dork, Barack Obama. Such a dork. Um, and there's a great BuzzFeed article with all these quotes about it that I'll link to in our description. Okay. Um, really good. That is amazing. Yep. Great. Take us away. I wrote down the main plot points this week, which is why, like, you keep backtracking and adding little moments, but I swear I did watch this episode. Um, so I'm going to let you keep leading the way okay. on the plot at this point, because I don't want it to continue to sound like I didn't watch the episode. <laughs> um, Leslie and Tom are going to do a stakeout, which is the only logical right. solution. I did say that. I just want that on the record. That wait, I didn't share that wait remember in Brooklyn Nine-Nine when they have the gigantic bag of peanuts on the stakeout? Yes. Oh, oh my god. Guys, follow, stay tuned for our Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast. <laughs> now accepting title ideas. Um, and then Ron. Podcast Nine-Nine. It's like cutting back to, um, Ron needs April's help to move his lunch two feet closer to him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he can't like lean over his desk to get his his like cheeseburger and then to eat it he just like tries to throw it up to his mouth (laughs) his face (laughs) nick offerman is very very good at physical comedy i feel like that's underrated that's true i've never really thought of him as a physical comedian but he really like he's really quite good at it he has a good presence yeah also this is a good april ron episode i think that's a really good relationship they're gonna continue to cultivate yeah i would Um, sort of like to see nick offerman in the theater because I like, think he would have uh, good presence. You know what I mean? In a like, play? Yeah. Want to hear a fun Nick Offerman fact? Always. Do you not know what this is going to be already? No, I don't know what it's going to be already. Oh, okay, cool. Because, like, my entire family would, like, turn their heads and be like, I know what you're going to say. And the answer is this. Nick Offerman is, like, a bit part in the greatest television scene of all time. Which is in The West Wing Season 1, Episode 5, The Crackpots on These Women. And the scene is, um... The gist of the episode um, is that all these people are coming into the White House to, like, pitch ideas on big block of cheese day. Is that the episode when Zoe makes chili with it cumin? It is the episode where Zoe makes chili. Yeah. Yes. She does, and then Charlie helps her, and that, like, relationship is sort of born from that. Oh, um, but so CJ has to meet with these three people who are, like, advocates for wolves. 
Yes. And yes, and Ron is one of these people, um, and they're here to talk about Pluey the Wolf. And they're here to talk about building the wolves only roadway. Yes. The wolves only roadway. I didn't realize yes. that, that was him. That is him. Yeah, he's not leading the meeting, but he's like one of the three. It's a really, really young Nick Offerman. Oh my god. Anyway, it's an amazing scene of television. <laughs> it involves um, CJ saying, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. And this woman goes, I'm not sure you are. <laughs> and my family says that to each other all the time. <laughs> so my, I would say like 70% of interactions amongst my family like involve like West Wing references or quotes. So like minimum admission to the Poscancer family is like a working knowledge of the West Wing. Did you know that when I first met and bonded with your family, I had never seen any of the West Wing? I know, which I'm glad they didn't know when they first met you, because they probably wouldn't like you as much. <laughs> they love Nora more than they love me, fun facts about my family. I don't I don't know that that's accurate, but okay. <laughs> Every time I pick up Nora, they're like, Nora! And I'm like, I know, she's great. She's my friend. I am fun. Mine. And my charming. friend. That's true. I'm so <laughs> modest. I'm not modest at all. I'm so it's proud of how not modest I am, you guys. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's like the least modest sentence anyone has ever said. I'm so proud of how not modest I am. <laughs> So, what happens next in this episode of television we're allegedly recapping? <laughs> yeah, allegedly is the keyword. <laughs> um, Leslie brings candy cameras and a CD of stakeout song. Sometimes that does happen. Um, can you imagine if that was the end of Ratatouille, first of all? That'd be awesome. Name, name um, one movie where that has happened, other than the one. Please name don't say the one out loud. Movie. Oh my god, please don't say it out loud. A small, very small pet peeve I have with media is when they spoil other movies. I feel like there should be a statue of limitations on when it's okay to spoil the endings of other movies, and it hasn't been 20 years on that one yet. So let's You think like it's 20 years? It's been 18 years. On that movie, it's been 18 years since that's... So in 2019, we're allowed to talk about it? Sure. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. I I haven't seen that movie. I just know. See, I I, I knew the ending when I saw it. This is really, like... I feel like most people know what movie we're discussing, but if you don't, that's great. Don't Google it. Just continue to watch films. Guess what TV show I haven't seen, but that I know what the ending is? Lost. You understand the ending to Lost? No, I just know it. what it, okay. they were going for. Aren't they, like, in purgatory? Isn't that the thing? I don't know because I have not seen Lost. I haven't seen it either, but I feel like during my teenage years, everybody was, like, really into it. Yeah. So. Lost was, like, a cultural phenomenon. I feel like I had missed a boat, the plane, on that. <laughs> um, and I'm, like, I want to watch it someday, but I also feel like it's going to be less fun because I'm not watching it with, like, the whole world. But that's just, that was my bad. Okay. But yeah, anyway, um, would have been a funny twist to Ratatouille. If he had been also, dead the whole time. where is Andy, Anne says? She says, well, he said he wanted to go mountain climbing in Kansas, so I, I don't know where he is. <laughs> um, Mark Great. picks Anne up for their date, and their sarcasm is very evenly matched. Yeah. Which I think is good. Mark is trying in trademark. Well, you have said that you are, like, not super into cringy comedy. Did you find their, like, initial exchange cringy? No. Okay. I found it, like, awkwardly believable. Yeah. Cringy to me is when people seem to be deliberately trying to get, like, a rise out of me, the viewer. And sometimes that works for me, but if, it, if it's, like, the only mode 
of comedy mm-hmm. that will like stress me out after a certain amount of time. Not to say that it's like not passing value judgments on that. I just like it builds up my stress level over time, and then I get like tired and have to turn it off. Mm, that makes sense. But no, these guys, this worked fine for me. Um, but Leslie can see them from the van. Yeah. Da-na-na. And she, like, compulsively takes pictures of them. Right, which is gonna look super cool to any police officers who might be looking later. <laughs> Hypothetically. But they catch Andy in the garden and they think he's the kingpin. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about this is that in, I feel like in this whole episode, like, Andy is, like, really dumb, Right. But he has, like, an internal logic in his world that, like, really works for him. And in this episode, yes. like, he is, like, so logical. So he is, he's like, I don't, isn't that the tops of carrots? Like, what? And he talks about how he's getting all of his, like, vitamins and minerals from eating the vegetables in the community garden. But yeah. then the best is when they see him in the pit and they try to recruit him to help. And he says, yeah. I'm supposed to have a rock fight with this crazy guy. He's, like, 20 minutes late. And it's, like, in that one moment, he's, like, really on top of his schedule. <laughs> I love I love it. He's just always like very secure in his worldview, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And like even though everything he says is confusing, you think he would be stumbling through life like just constantly overwhelmed. He always seems like assured. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And doesn't seem confused. <laughs> also, I think Chris Pratt just plays that sort of like affable sincerity very well. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's his aesthetic. Affable sincerity. I mean, that's, like, him in real life, though, I think. Yeah, I would assume, based on interviews I've seen with him. I don't know Chris Pratt personally. Yeah, oh, I do. Chris Pratt, this is an open call to come on this podcast. Please, anytime. You can come chill in my kitchen, which is where I'm recording this. Yeah. I have a cat. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> trying to sell my apartment to make it seem like a cool hip place to hang. Um, what happens next? April goes back to the office to check on Ron, and this is so weird, but I don't know why I remember this, but it was easily, like, a year ago. I was just, like, watching, like, stupid stuff on YouTube, and something that came up was this, like, closet tour that Mindy Kaling did with some, like, Mm -hmm. media outlet, and she was, like, showing, like, different outfits that she had. And April's jacket that she's wearing in this episode, Mindy Kaling owns that jacket, (laughs) Oh, I love that jacket. Because when I saw April, I was like, wait a second, where do I recognize that from? Well, no. Is that when not? Mindy, when I saw the original Mindy Kaling video, I was like, that's April's yeah. jacket. And then I saw so Full circle, full circle, full, full circle. circle. So anyway, you'll get that link too, listeners. Mindy Kaling. Is that not the jacket she's wearing in like the clip from like the theme song for like five out of seven seasons of the show? Yes, it is. I think that they have yeah, okay. put... That, I don't think that's her clip yet, but it will be. Yeah, but that's the jacket, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jacket returns, people. Get Ta-na-na. excited. Um, and April grills Ron on what illness he has and then goes home to get her dad's car to drive him to the hospital. Without him even having to ask, which is charming. Yes, she's a good intern, frankly. She is a good intern. Mm-hmm. I've never had an intern. You've been, been an intern. intern. I have been an intern. I didn't have to drive people that much as long as an intern i don't think i have to drive anybody yeah not at the publishing company i worked at for sure i had to fact check a book on australia at the publishing company i interned at and now you know a lot about australia yeah i still know a lot about australia that's true um i can tell you how to poison poison animals in australia how 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 do you poison a wallaby the same way you poison like a dingo you just like put like this poison in and meat, and you fling it from helicopters. Which I used to know how to start a helicopter, too, because I had to Google to check to make sure this girl was describing how to start a helicopter correctly. I had to find, like, a helicopter start manual on the internet, which I did. You can find anything on the internet. Um, and now, I now if you put me in a helicopter, I could not start the helicopter, but for a while, probably, I could have started the helicopter. That's incredible. Everything about that is amazing. Did I have the skills to lift it off the ground? No. For sure I didn't. Also, you don't want me as your helicopter pilot. Pilot is the job, I think, of all the jobs I'm least suited for. (laughs) I would be a terrible pilot. I would just be screaming the whole time, which I don't think instills confidence amongst the passengers. I mean, what if you had a closed cockpit, then you could scream as much as you wanted and the passengers wouldn't know? True. I don't know if it's soundproof in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have no idea. 
I don't know because I don't like to meet my pilots or go into the cockpit. I want them to be like unknown entities who could be like superhuman. I don't want to know that they're regular people who have flaws just like me. Okay. Okay. I need them to. I need to know that they're gonna land that plane safely because I don't like to fly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They're all lovely people. Whenever I like, I'm meeting them on the way out of the plane. I like thank them profusely. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. Like that was a great flight. But on the way into the plane, I'm like, yes, yes. I'm just gonna go to my seat. You don't want to distract them from the work that they're about to do. I don't want to distract them from the work they're about to do. No, I don't want to be. Not that they would be distracted by me, but I just, I flying makes me nervous. My grandpa took flying lessons for a while, and I went up in like a little tiny plane, um, with him pi- piloting it. I don't know, like how much money you'd have to offer me to do that, but I think there might not be earthly some. Yeah, I can imagine that you would not have had fun. Yeah, I would not have had fun. Yeah, no. But my grandpa did it. He did, um, he took flying lessons at, like, his local airport with this, mm-hmm. his, who was his, what was his teacher's name? Abdul. And my grandpa loved Abdul. And uh-huh. they would go flying, flying. buddies. And, um, I got to be in the in the plane once and I took a lot of really good like headphone with the like talk mm-hmm. thing selfies with the what thing you know you know like when you have a like you're in like a helicopter or like a small plane you have the big earphones yeah and then, like a little like microphone coming down so you can talk yeah. to each other I took a lot of selfies wearing that because I looked cool um Tom gets locked out of the van yes and starts trying to break his way back in, in a hoodie, in a street in the dark. Yeah. In the Midwest. Um, while well, Anne and Mark are coming back from a great date, where they did not see a food documentary. Yeah, it seems like they didn't see a food documentary. It seems like they didn't. Um, but they see a man breaking into a van, and they, understandably, call 911. I guess I would call 911 if I saw a crime. Yeah. I like to think that. Um, <laughs> certainly hope so. <laughs> And, uh, uh, Louis C.K. comes and checks it out. <laughs> amazing! Imagine if you, you call the cops and, like, Louis C.K. shows up in, in this universe, like, he exists as a comedian, but, like, this guy just looks exactly like him and isn't acknowledging the fact that he's Louis C.K. And you're like, oh my god, Louis C.K. And he's like, no. I'm the police. I'm the police. I'm the police. And Tom is belligerent, so Louis C.K. arrests him, and then Leslie is belligerent. Yes, although, first, Andy and Leslie take a walk. Now the father turn tables. Now I have to backtrack, because you jumped ahead. Andy and Leslie take a walk, um, and she tells Andy that Anne is dating Mark. And he, like, falls down. Yeah, he doesn't take that well, like, literally. And then, yes, yeah, so after Louis C.K. arrests... Louis C.K.'s character does have a name, but, like... Dave. You're not gonna find it out on this podcast, except for that one time that Nora just said it. <coughs> Dave. Uh, we're gonna call. We're gonna call him Louis C.K. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, he arrests Tom and Leslie fights with him. Wonderfully, she goes no, 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 no. She does yeah. a great face. He says like this is a matter of like police interest or something, and she goes, well, it doesn't seem like the police are very interested in this. Oh no, he's like it's a police matter, and she goes, well, it doesn't matter to the police. Yeah, sorry, and he's like, okay, good one, but. And then continues speaking to her, but at least he appreciates her brand of humor. In fact, he really seems to appreciate Leslie. He does. He appreciates her as a woman. <laughs> as, as him, a man, a police officer. <laughs> Leslie, one thing, this is the best um, jump cut of the episode, where Leslie is in the midst of gently threatening Louis C.K., the police officer. She says, in all caps, I could have Ron Swanson kicking down your doors, and immediately cuts to Ron in his office with the lights off. Yep. <laughs> Silently. And then back to Leslie. <laughs> she does get Tom out of jail. Yes. Well, this is the thing. Dave the cop, sorry, Louis C.K. thinks that Tom is a pervert because what he found in the van was manure, right? a bunch of candy, what he describes as an inappropriate amount of candy, and candy pictures necklaces. of Mark and Anne, which he has yeah. very quickly gotten developed. Like, one might say almost too <laughs> quickly. <laughs> That did not even occur to me. He's like, he's like, we found these pictures. And I was like, it's been an hour. Like, what, did you go to, like, the one-hour photo the minute you left the van? 
Actually, I in guess... In another life, you're making YouTube videos about continuity maybe, errors. Maybe they don't... Maybe it was a digital camera and they, like, printed it out. I forgot that digital cameras exist there for a second. I was like, how do they get the film developed so fast? He probably plugged the SD card into his computer and printed them out. <laughs> don't get mad at him just because you forgot digital cameras existed for a second there. Leslie decides to stay and wait for Tom because prison changes a man. And um, April rolls Ron out of the office to take him to the hospital. Mm. She says, are you ready? Ron goes, I was born ready. I'm Ron Swanson. <laughs> and Nora's going to bleep that, so it's actually going to sound exactly like the lion. That's because true. Because he also gets bleeped because he can't say the F word on uh, television. That's accurate. Not even on cable these days. Sometimes they'll, they'll say it, but they'll bleep it. Um, Mark and Anne end their date, and Andy watches from the pit like a gopher. <laughs> he like pops up and he's just sort of like looking around and then he like pops back down <laughs> oh he's such a good character i love him so much okay um and then tom tells leslie in a really great tom moment that mark's an idiot and she should forget about him honestly that is the first realistic summary of mark's deal in the whole series mark's an idiot forget about him i, th- I do think Anne did have a nice moment last episode where she was like Mark used to be a jerk, but now he's trying to not be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, Mark is the most realistic character on this TV show, because most people I know in real life are trying their best not to be jerks. <laughs> some aren't trying at all. They're just doing their, are just doing their best. <laughs> my friends, other than you, of course, Nora. Actually, all my friends, this is a lie, all my friends are pretty great. But like, I feel like the people in my life aren't quite as irreverent and quick-witted as television characters. Yeah, I think that no human is. I wonder why. Because you don't have 15 people whose full-time job it is to write their dialogue. Are, are smart and brilliant and are just really, really great at writing dialogue. Yeah, it turns out Cause your life, Because your life doesn't have story editor professional dialogue writers. Oh, yes, sadly. He's so great. I've been watching Master of None oh, for the first time. I love Master of None. It's really, really great. Um, I hadn't seen season one, but then season two came out and got rave reviews, so I like was like... Should go back and watch all I of it. I haven't watched season two yet. I'm waiting. I don't know it's what I'm waiting great. for, but I'm waiting. Um, it's so far. I'm in season one still, and it's really, really good. Um, Aziz already. Oh, his content is so great. He's so brilliant. I really love his stand up. I know I've plugged that before, but if you haven't seen his stand up, you should check it out. Yeah. He manages to like call out a lot of problems, but like not in a, like a really angry sounding way. Mm-hmm. Just in sort of, like, this is ridiculous. Like, can we address how ridiculous this is? Well, I think, like, just... a great example of that is his SNL monologue. Yes. It's really good. Watch that. Watch that as well. It's I really, really think good. he's, like, a very, very good writer, creator. Yeah. I'm gonna continue to plug stuff that he does as I oh. plug all things that I like. But, yeah, it's been great so far. I know that Harris Whittle's worked on all of it, if not most of it. Um... I think most of season one, anyway. Yeah, um, and Aziz, like, has tweeted or, like, told us, us being the audience, like, what moments were, like, quintessential Widow's moments and stuff. Like, he's the one, apparently, who came up, if you've seen Master of None, with, like, this this one, like, very kind of, like, over-effective actor, and he, like, plays with dominoes in his spare time, and he, like, has, like... Aziz and Zarya's character, like, knock down the dominoes and, like, this very, like, tightly edited sequence, like, set to, like, classical music and all these dominoes are falling down. <laughs> and they're, like, they're, they're, like, it's, like, kind of, like, one of those Rube Goldberg things. Like, this one hits that one and, like, rings a bell and hits all these others and then it ends up making a picture of a cat. <laughs> anyway, it's amazing. It's just, like, so, like, unbelievably funny. Oh, I and love it. just so unique, like I never would have thought of it. I never would have been like, wait, what if this guy was like really into setting up dominoes? <laughs> it works so well. That that was a really good episode. There will be a lot more plugs for Aziz and also a lot more stuff about Harris as we go through the series. Yeah. Um So then the tag of the episode is um like Mark and Anne having lunch in the courtyard, and Tom's couple name for them is Anne Danowitz. <laughs> Which is pretty good. I think it's excellent. Who was, who was the person who said? Oh, it was Mindy Kaling in her book. Um, she was talking about cause she and her her friend did that play Matt and Ben. Oh yes. But she was talking about what Ben Affleck 
and Jennifer Lopez gave to the world, and what that was was like the combined celebrity couple name. Isn't it Jennifer Garner though, not Jennifer Lopez? Girl behind the times. This was this was Jennifer. Lo- this was Jennifer Lopez. I didn't know that he. I thought it was just the one. Jennifer. This is Benifer. No, this was Benifer. This was Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. I was a child. Was and how was the early I supposed 2000s, to know? And they were like real, real big, and that was like the first Benifer. big like yeah. celebrity. Yeah. And then he was with Jennifer Garner, and they are divorced now, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, but they have two daughters. There you go. Cute. Kids are cute. Um. So yeah. So yeah. That's what. So that was the beginning of like the celebrity couple name thing, and now we have like we have like Brangelina, and we have like all those other combos, mm-hmm. and then now we have people at like our level of fame, which is to say none, um, the everyday, the everyday person, um, like they, you combine your names and your relationships as well, and you like that's your hashtag for like your wedding and stuff. It's like become a thing. Did you know that so ours have... would be nil? I didn't know that. <laughs> or like Jora, or. Cat scanser. And that add that to the add that to the list of many reasons we could never get married, sadly, Nora. That's just like the final straw. That's that's what's stopping us. <laughs> that's what's that's what's stopping us. Just I think if names. we got married our wedding hashtag would just be hashtag nil. <laughs> we would have just our, our theme would be nihilism and we would wear all black. We'd get married in a dark room. <laughs> and our officiant would oh be a cactus. Gosh. Do you know what? As funny as that is, it's just like I can't. I can't even like pretend for like a second like you would have a wedding that wasn't themed like Lord of the Rings. Just unbelievable. We would have past appetizers that were that fit both of our dietary needs, but they just we would just spray paint them black, and so they would be toxic. In our fake, in our fake Neilist wedding, yeah. Not your, not your very real Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, you don't have to past appetizers. A Lord of the Rings wedding is a potluck wedding that's. We outside. already have our menu. We have the menu from our extended edition marathon. That's true. Yes. Use all that stuff. Yep. We threw a great little watchathon for the, all three extended editions back to back a couple did. Christmases ago for the kids who are still hanging around during winter break. It was awesome. And did you see that interview with Anna Kendrick? Where she was talking about how she and her best friend also throw little extended watchathons. Yes, and that Anna is my was like, with her "Yeah, Steve Colbert sing i 'I'm Still Here,' which is one of the greatest songs of all time." Oh yes, Joe. Good times and bum times, I've seen them all, and my dear, I'm still here. Really? No, I don't. Lush velvet, sometimes, sometimes, just pretzels and beer. But, but I'm, I'm here. here. <laughs> I've run the gamut A to Z. Three cheers and damn it, say la vie. I got through all of last year and I'm part of that interview is unequivocally the part where she's like yeah like well we just thought we should keep it really exclusive like lots of people want to come (laughs) to our extended edition marathon but we were just like no which relatable like a lot of people don't have the stamina or the heart that's true to watch all three extended editions back to back to back and commit to that 12 hour i made a cardboard crown (laughs) out of a cereal box and I wore my hair down, and as Aragorn got more and more injured and sweaty, I messed my hair up more and more. And then when Gandalf was putting the crown on his head, I too put my cardboard crown on my head. It was a moment. Which, at this point, she was crying pretty regularly. I mean, by the time he's getting crowned, you've been crying. Exactly, yeah, that's... Like, you are solidly in the cry zone. I don't know what the runtime is on regular Return of the King, because I've seen that movie twice. I've never it's seen the theaters. regular one. I saw it in theaters, girl. Um, they don't play extended in theaters, but I have all the DVDs of extended. And in the extended version, after the ring is destroyed, there are f- exactly 
more or less 45 minutes left on the clock of that film from the time the ring is destroyed to like the time when like Sam closes that door. Well, there are so many endings because they keep doing a fade to black pause new thing. (laughs) So it's like at any point it could be over. I know. And a lot of people like to hate on that. I love that. That's my favorite bit of all the movies. I like all the endings and I don't care. When I watch it on TV, sometimes my dad's like, we can watch till the ring is destroyed and then we have to turn it off. And I'm like, I want to watch all the endings. They have to go to the Grey Havens and you have to cry. That's the one I want to watch. Yeah. That's like, I'm like, if I'm watching Return of the King and I'm committing to that watch, I want to get to the part where they, they play into the West. Anytime that music cue comes up, I cry. Fun fact. Well, I cry whenever the Concerning Habits cue comes up. Which is not a sad music cue. That's like yes, the beginning of fellowship. No, the, the worst moment <laughs> is when Sam is like carrying Frodo up the side of Mount Doom and he talks about the strawberries in the Shire and just like Jeff yeah. is like doo 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 and you just die. See, that's when he's talking to Frodo. Actually, when he lifts Frodo up to carry him, that's and into the West music. Cue. I know, but the two of them together. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a moving moment. <laughs> that's that was Jill and Nora were were crying at that point. Do you remember the Shire, Mister Frodo? It'll be spring soon. The orchards will be in blossom, and the birds will be nesting in the hazel thicket. And they'll be sowing the summer barley in the lower fields. And eating the first of the strawberries with cream. Do you remember the taste of strawberries? Sam, I can't recall the taste of food. Well, we talked about this when we did the marathon, is that you don't realize it when you just watch one of them, like, individually. That at the end of every movie, you're crying. Like, I forgot, you know, because you sort of forget, like, where I don't know one... if I cry at Fellowship. Yeah, Boromir. What you say? Oh, but that's not the end end. No, okay, okay. There's, like, ten minutes left on the clock. No, but, like, Boromir's Sam is, but then Sam gets in the boat with Frodo, and then you cry about that, because he's not, he, he doesn't plan to leave him. That's, that's a moving moment. I'll give you that. I don't know if that, if that got me crying. If I even think too much about Lord of the Rings, I start crying. Like, the two towers bit where Sam is, like... Where Frodo, well, no, Frodo was like, Samwise the Brave. That bit is sweet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to hear more about Sam, and then he, like, dramatically turns around, because Frodo can't do anything non-dramatically, and he's like, I want to hear more about Sam. Frodo <laughs> wouldn't have gotten anywhere without Sam. Frodo just has whiplash from doing dramatic head turns. He probably does. Just constant. That's half the movie. Imagine, the, like, what's the most iconic Frodo moment? It's turning around at the end of the Grey Havens to look back on them one last time. Yep. And then whipping his head back and getting on that boat. And the Shire has been saved, but not for me. <laughs> that they put back. They filmed that scene four times because they kept like accidents kept happening. Like they lost the film one time. One time there was a continuity error. What was the continuity error? One time there was like a boom mic or something. Something didn't matchy match. Mm-hmm. Fun fact that I just found out. Um, David Fincher, seminal director, um, uses a, like a lot of CGI in his films. Like not for like big, big like action sequence stuff, but like just to like make the editing as smooth as possible. And also like it helps prevent continuity errors. So he never uses like real blood in his, like, pretty bloody movies. Um, because it's really hard to, like, keep continuity when you're using, like, props like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he just CGI's the blood all later, so then it all, like, always looks, like, on point. Hmm. I guess then it's less messy. Also, it's less messy. <laughs> I think it's more about the continuity for him, but that's also true. Yeah. Hey, do you have a favorite moment in this episode of, I do. of Parks and Recreation? <laughs> it was the cut when Leslie was like, I could have Ron Swanson kicking down your doors and then it just cuts to him in his office. <laughs> That's, I think nothing is funnier 
then a joke that is built off of like a whole like at least an episode's worth of stuff and then you just get you don't even need to say anything it's just a cut back uh-huh. and all your information like is enough to make that joke like really 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 hilarious like that was great yeah yeah it's uh, a good payoff my favorite moment is when april is trying to find out what's wrong with ron and he finally says i have a hernia and then april goes do you have syphilis and ron <laughs> says i said it's a hernia and then april says I know. It's possible to have two things. I love April so much. <laughs> what a good character. She is, and I was just thinking about this. She has a good arc this season. That's true, she does. Also, ironically, syphilis and a hernia is what Ben Franklin died from. <gasps> no. <laughs> ben Franklin's dead? I know, isn't that Sorry. crazy? It's insane. They don't talk about it in Hamilton, but... <laughs> He's not even in Hamilton. He's not. It's almost like him. he wasn't even in American history. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. And you know, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Yeah, yeah. If they don't talk about it in Hamilton, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> true story. <laughs> Lynn is listening to this, and he's like, no, that's not true. Don't tell people that. Jill, Nora, please. That's how teenagers on Tumblr treat it, though. True, that's true. That's like the historian in me gets really annoyed by that. Like, I'll be on the other hand, I'm excited people are that excited about history. I'm excited people are excited about it, and I think in an ideal world, Hamilton would make people want to learn more. But I yeah, think like often what happens is that people see Hamilton and they think that they have then learned everything that there is to learn, and then they just like base all of their assumptions on that, and then that's it. That I've seen happen. I've also seen like a lot of my friends have then picked up like the three thousand page biography. Yeah. Of Hamilton. Yeah, that's good. Like, that that checkouts for that book, like, skyrocketed, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Lynn, for making that play. Yeah, thank I you. I really enjoyed it. It turned out well for you, sir. It turned out well for, I think... The world. The world. Yeah, you did, you did good, son. <laughs> my son, look at my son. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. There is so much more inside me now. The world and like the history of the arts and history and whatnot. Um, yeah, so that was my favorite moment. Amazing. Was when they sang the whole Hamilton soundtrack. In Parks and Rec when they that... sang the Hamilton soundtrack. Yep. I'm bummed that we missed like any crossover of Leslie being able to talk about Hamilton. That's true. It was like a year or two. That would have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, what do you want to tell the people? I think that's everything. That's everything? Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. I was, I was thought sometimes you like write down little fun facts. So I thought maybe you were checking. No, your, like, I, my, list. it turns out my only fun fact was the, was about, weed. Was about Barack and the Tomb Gang. And, <laughs> and, uh. I can't wait till like we're allowed to use that as a band name. The Barack and the Tomb Gang? Yeah, not me personally. But I mean, Cool be... and the Gang has the I guess, word like, gang bar- in like it. like Barack Obama could now start a band and call it that. He could start a band. Oh, I hope that awesome. he um, continues to contribute to the world. That is contributing to the world. Okay, I hope he tries to continue to affect social change. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I also deeply hope that. <laughs> Brock, come back. Please. Well, he's back. He's, like, doing some stuff. He's got the We're Obama not on first Foundation name basis happening. With him. He's got his library right slash museum slash community center. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It is gonna be super right, cool. Awesome. Yeah. episode check us out at podcastofrec.wordpress.com because we're switching to wordpress and on apple podcasts and on stitcher and will you please leave us a review on any of those places um we need validation in every aspect of our lives this is just one of them that you can help with hooray music for this week's show courtesy of kevin mcleod and incompetech.com and also courtesy of whoever else i decide to rip off to add sound effects stay tuned for that um, she says rip off, but she means legally borrow. That's accurate. Yes. Legally borrow, she means. Hashtag fair use. Um, we're on Twitter at podcast, podcast and rec. Ha! You said it wrong. find that Frodo. I want it trending across the world. Um, you can follow Jill on Twitter at Ms. Jill Madelin. You can follow Nora on Twitter at Nora A. Katz and at NoraKatz.com. Frankly, I'm a gem on Twitter, so it will only improve your life. She is a gem. She's been having this whole moment recently about the Peter Pan ride at Disney World, and it's amazing. 
I'm really mad that they don't fast pass it. They should fast pass it. It's the only ride at Disneyland that has crazy wait times. They don't fast pass. And Disneyland, if you're listening, the magical entity that is just Disneyland, please fast pass that ride. I want to experience the magic and wonder of Peter Pan, and I can't do that because I'm not committing to a 55-minute wait time. I have a place where dreams are born and time is never planned. It's not on any chart. You must find it with your heart. Never, never land. It might be miles beyond the moon, or right there where you stand. You know how to get to it. Just keep an open mind. Yes, yeah, so I can start from the right straight on till morning. Correct. I was waiting for you to fill in that blank. <laughs> I was about to be like, yes, you go straight through Sleeping Beauty's castle, and then it's on your right, past the Matterhorn. Okay, so Jill can answer that question both playing along with the bit and with accurate factual information, so. True. Actually, the Matterhorn's not that way, it's sort of... Matterhorn is in the Alps. The Darlings lived in London. The ride, for goodness sake. Um, (laughs) I'm like a walking map of Disneyland at this point, actually, because if you're going to do Disneyland, as I am this week... Um, you should do everything you can to streamline your Disneyland process. So if you don't have to be looking at a map to find out where you want to go all the time, that's going to help. But what if you're a cartography nerd and you love to look at visual representations of space? Um, I think if you're a true cartography nerd and you truly want to do Disneyland right, you'll memorize the map so you can just close your eyes and look at it, which is what I can do. Okay, there you I go. like to streamline my Disneyland experience. <laughs> Here's how you do Disneyland, kids. I'm gonna give you guys all a quick little tidbit tip before you go. Um, you need two things to do Disneyland and make the most out of it. One Disneyland app tells you all the wait times up to the minute, so you don't have to wander around. Two fast pass system. You can't fast pass every ride. Find out which ones you can, and then you can get a new fast pass from each park every two hours. So like every park has their own two-hour waiting line. So you can go right to Radiator Springs, get a fast pass, go right to Disneyland. Get a fast pass for any ride you want, and then two hours on the clock for each of those parks. There you go. You do these two things. You do these two things, and you're never going to wait in a line longer than 30 minutes, guaranteed. 30 minutes is a long time. I mean, usually I don't wait longer than 20, but I didn't want people to go and do the system and then come back complaining that they had to wait 25 minutes. Okay, I've never been to a Disney anything, so you're going to have to take Jill's word for it. We almost went. But we didn't. That's true, we did. We went to the aquarium instead. We did do the aquarium instead, which is also a gem, because aquariums are great. Great, well, we will talk to you guys next week, as if this is a mutual conversation. If you have uh, questions, comments, business inquiries, or fun stuff to share, shoot us an email at podcastrack at gmail.com. We love you and we like you. Bye. Someday you guys are going to get that reference. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>